Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three as we continue in our journey uh, in the book of Philippians. This past week, I had a really neat experience. Okay, so, so, so here, here is my experience. Um, I had the chance to cross the border into Mexico. I found out about two and a half, three weeks ago that I have need of a root canal. I've never had one and uh, was very fearful of that. After the dentist got done here locally looking at me, they brought me my price sheet with insurance included. So I do have a little dental, not a lot, but a little dental. And the price of my root canal, including the work and the crown, was going to be $2,700. The guy's like, I can just jerk it out for like a couple of thousand dollars, and then you can come back later for a couple of more thousand dollars, and we can stick a fake tooth in there, um, but that's, that's the price sheet, I thought. I, am, I can't afford $2,700 for one tooth, right? But I had to get it done because it's this first one, this first little molar, so when I smiled, I didn't want a gap that I could blow water through, right? And uh, so I'm like, what am I going to do? Then I remembered that Josh McIntyre had told me that you can cross the border into Mexico and get fabulous dental work done for a smidgen of the price. So he gave me the phone number. I called Ramos Dentistry in Los Lagodones. How do you say that? Anybody help me with that? What? Yeah, Algodones, uh, Mexico, right across the border into California and Yuma, okay? You're going to have to help me with some of these names, you people. And, uh, and so Los Algodones is what I would say, something like that. But, uh, you know, I found out about, you know, Ramos Dentistry. So I called them, and I said, hey, I need a root canal. And the lady said, that will be 650 bucks. I'm like, for real? I'll see you next week. All right, I mean, literally. Uh, and so I drove down there on Tuesday of this past week and uh, got down there, uh, made my way to the border right off the interstate. It's so easy. I'm not making a sale for Ramos Dentistry, but I'm telling you, this is easy. Why would you pay more? All right, and so I uh, got down there, parked my car in a parking area on this side of the border, got out of my car, locked it up, walked, and got to the actual border entry. When I arrived there, there were a couple of um, military soldiers, whatever, for uh, the country of Mexico at the border entry, and uh, they were checking bags. They waved me through because I did not have a bag, and I walked right on in. It was just that simple. Went to Ramos Dentistry, and for an hour and a half, you know the rest of the story, right? And a uh, lot less painful than I ever expected. When I got done, I didn't have any pain, praise the Lord. And, uh, and so um, I did a little shopping, not a lot. I bought a little cute um, Mexican baby girl dress. It's adorable for Aspen. I had to get her something. And uh, so I grabbed a little dress and, and I made my way to the, the border. When I got to the border, 
Um, there were several standing there kind of in an argument with the first Border Patrol agent. I'm going to call him that. And, um, and so uh, as he was discussing, I walk up and he's like, do you have a passport? I'm like, yes, I do. And it was super cool. I reached into my pocket and I pulled out my little blue book. And I held it up. He said, come on in. So I walked down the corridor, got to the main office, and there's a sign there that says, wait to be called in. I could see the lady through the glass. She waved me in. I opened the door. I stepped in. She said, can I have your passport, please? I said, yes, you can. I handed her my passport. She scanned it in a machine. She said, what are you bringing into the country? I said, a cute little dress for my granddaughter. And she said, Mr. McCormick, thank you. You may come in. She handed me my passport back. I walked through the office, hung her right, and stepped into the wonderful United States of America. Praise the Lord. Walked back to my car, hopped in my car. Great experience. Awesome experience. Easy experience. You want to know why? Because my confidence was in this little booklet. Inside this little blue booklet was my name, my picture, and it said that I was a citizen of the United States of America. I did not have to put any confidence in my amazing good looks to cross the border. None, none, although it probably would have got me in, Joshua, but I didn't have to do that, okay? I did not have to trust in my amazing rounded physique to get me into the, um, to the, to the United States of America. I didn't even walk up to the gate and say, Mac, you know what? I am from North Carolina, and I'm happy about it. That would have made no difference to them. I did not tell them I was the pastor of New Life Baptist Church. I've actually thought of using that to get out of a ticket. Sir, do you know you were going 20 miles over the speed limit? Yes, but I'm the pastor of New Life Baptist Church. Like that would make a difference, right? I didn't even tell them that I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Have you seen that commercial? I love those commercials. They're hilarious. The guy flying the helicopter, the lady's like, have you ever um, flown a helicopter before? He's like, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express, right? Um, I didn't even have to say that, right? Um, no, my confidence was not in who I was. My confidence was not in my family. My confidence was not in a religion. My confidence to cross the border was in the fact that I was born in the United States of America. I did not choose it. I did not ask for it. I did not work for it. My birthing gave me confidence that as a citizen of the United States, I could enter back into my own country, no merit of my own. With that being said, that brings us to the transitional point of the book of Philippians. Up until this point, Paul is basically saying this, no matter what, if it weren't for Jesus, we'd have nothing. We are nothing. We have grace and peace because of Jesus Christ. No matter what, truth needs to be the focus of who we are. No matter what, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what gives us our lifeblood, the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what, partnership. We need each other. We're the family of God. This is amazing. And then the book transitions. Look at chapter three and verse number one. Look at the first word that is given. Finally. This is not stated in the same aspect you would go, finally, pastor's almost done with the message. 
Okay, not, not the same idea, Ms. Ramsey. It is not, it is not that finally. The, the word finally here means I have come to the point of my intent to writing this letter. The, all of this beginning was introduction and explanation, who Christ is and why this is happening. Finally, we're here. Finally, we're at the point where I sat down to pen this letter. And then he says this, me writing this letter is not difficult for me. I wanted to do it. I needed to do it for your safety. Look at the text. Finally, my brethren, rejoice. So so, so let me ask you a question. When he writes this letter, who is he writing it to again? He's writing it to believers, people who have already put their faith and confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's writing it to brethren, people who are already trusting in Christ for their life. Listen, so it's important that we recognize that this text that we're about to read, it's not a text, although it's confirmation, it's not the plan for salvation. It's confirmation, but it's not given so that people might necessarily come to Christ. You gotta understand that. Finally, my brethren, To write to you is not grievous for me. Rejoice in this. I am happy to write this letter. I'm writing it for your sake. I'm writing it because you need to hear this. Hear what? Look at the next verse. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Here's the key. This is why he's writing. Beware understand that where your confidence is is in, where your confidence lies is what matters in this life. Notice what he says next in verse number three. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse number three, if you want to mark it, circle it, underline it, that is the the, the core, it's the key of this passage. This is important. Watch. This is amazing. Here's what he's saying. We We are the circumcision. Now, I want to be careful in defining and explaining this word circumcision. In the Old Testament, um, God gave a command for his people, the men of the tribe of Israel, to be circumcised. But this is important. Circumcision was not to gain merit of God. It wasn't a a process by which uh, the, the people went through so that God would say, now I favor you. Circumcision was never meant to bring favor from God. Circumcision was done to give identification with God. That's important. Matter of fact, the Old Testament in multiple places gives strong warning, do not be like the pagans, for they cut themselves, they mutilate themselves, they hurt themselves to find favor from the gods. We're we're told not to do that, but we are told to cut. Not to cut ourselves for favor, but we cut ourselves for identification so that God's people would be set apart from all the other pagan cultures. Now, carefully, if you understand circumcision, it was a matter of purity, cleanliness. Remember, all of God's laws were about that, weren't they? Purity, what you eat is important because some animals are dirty, bottom, 
junk-feeding animals. We don't eat those animals, supposedly pigs, right? We don't eat from sloppy animals that eat muck. We eat from animals that are purer. We don't eat fish that graze upon the bottom. I'll use the word or eat on the bottom of the sea. We eat fish that eat fresh life things. We don't eat vulture birds. We eat birds that eat fresh things. God created a people that he would use to be different from the pagan people by the way they ate, acted, Live, these were clean, pure, holy people. That, not again, to be careful, that's what circumcision is. The pagan peoples did, people did not circumcise, which brought infection and dirtiness and disease, etc. but cutting made it easier and cleaner. Are we together? Okay, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. We are the circumcision that put our confidence not in a cutting of flesh, but in the cutting that the Holy Spirit has done through the work of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. He has cut away the sin. He has died and shed his blood, and we are the circumcision spiritually, the cutting spiritually because of the work of Jesus Christ, okay? Therefore, our confidence is not in an outward fleshly work, but is in a spiritual inward work. Are you getting it? The dogs, the ones he's warning of, were those people who were out to get everything for their own belly and pleasure, i got to be careful. I've learned that you've got to be really careful when you preach on dogs and cats. I, I've learned that. And you can say what you want, but that beautiful, wonderful puppy that you love, if you give him to me and I start feeding him, he'll love me just as much as he loves you. Why? Why? Because it's in a dog's DNA just to have their bellies filled and rubbed. It doesn't matter who does it. That's the truth of the matter. They're not given a soul. They just need to be fed. They need to be loved. And I know you hate to hear it, but they will get over you. That's just the truth of the matter. They're not like us. They're not relational in that manner. It's different. Dogs are out to to just, um, uh, back in those days, they didn't have house dogs like we have. And so uh, your typical idea of a dog in an alley just scrounging to get what they can get for themselves. That's the idea. They were out to take care of themselves. They were beware of people who were in it for themselves, who find confidence in their own good works and their own deeds. They are evildoers because they're all about themselves. They are the concision. There were people, the word concision in the text is people who would literally mangle and cut themselves and mutilate themselves so that God would love them. That's what they're saying. That's what Paul is saying. Beware, beware. It's not about you. It's not about what you do to yourself to earn favor from God. It's about what God's already done for you. His cutting away of your sin. Your confidence cannot be in the flesh. It has to be in the spirit. We should have no confidence in the flesh. Notice the text again. The Bible says, key verse, for we are the circumcision, the true circumcision, which worship where? In our what? In the spirit, in the inner man, and rejoice in who? 
In who? Who's our rejoicing in? In Jesus Christ. Remember what the word rejoicing means from two weeks ago. The word rejoicing doesn't mean, yay, I'm so happy, that is so awesome. No, the word rejoicing is the elevation, the boasting in someone else. I'm rejoicing today. Can I illustrate it this way? In Pensacola Christian College, because it was through that ministry that I came to know Christ through a gospel message, it was that ministry that I met my wife, it's through that ministry that my kids came to know Jesus through their education, it's that, you understand, I'm boasting in, yay, I'm so thankful for them. So Christ says this, the word of God says this, um, we cannot find our confidence in ourselves. It wasn't us, Christ did the cutting. We rejoice and boast in him. It's all about Jesus. Notice what he says next. And have no, zero confidence in the flesh. Let me illustrate it if I can. Most of the time when I ask people, um, do they know if they're going to heaven someday when they die? Okay? Here's what I get. And I ask that question quite often. How do you know? that you're going to heaven or that you deserve heaven someday. And typically, here's what I'll get. The answer will be something like this. Well, I have been a good person. Do you hear that? Where's the confidence placed? What's the, what's the confidence placed in? The, the flesh. Okay, they'll say something like this. I am a good dad, and God wouldn't send good dads to hell. Where's their confidence in? The fact that they're a good dad. Well, I give money to the poor, so I have taken away from myself to give it to the poor, and God honors people who takes away from themselves to give to the poor. Where's their confidence? It's in themselves. Well, I do A, B, and C so that I can merit God's favor, that he would love me that he would give himself for me. And and what is that? That is confidence. I want you to help me. I'm just asking. That's confidence in what for eternal life? It's in me. It's in my good deeds. It's in my good works. And what was happening in the Bible culture at this moment, there was a group of people called Judaizers. And Judaizers had this uh, belief in Jesus Christ, but they also felt like they had to add to him by mutilating themselves, are you following me? By cutting themselves, by sacrificing certain things so that God would love them. And there was a debate and argument in the church over this. So God uses Paul to write a letter that says this, beware of dogs, people who are, and by the way, we would think how rude for Paul to call people, somebody a dog. It's, again, you got to take your brain out of our culture and put it in theirs. If I were to call Mac a dog, that would be kind of degrading. Back then, it was, um, it was um, a comparison. You're acting like a dog. Beware of dogs. They're out to gain for their own self and belly. You're an evildoer. You are those who cut yourself for the glory of God. Don't do it. Matter of fact, the best thing to do is to put your confidence in who? Hey, church, listen to what I'm saying. We are nothing without Jesus. We have no hope outside of Christ. Without Jesus, nothing really changes. 
I don't care how many works you add to dirtiness, nothing changes unless Christ is the clear, distinct change because we go from us doing to he already having done it. The work is in Jesus Christ. So do you see what Paul is saying here? Where do we place our trust, brothers? Again, we could use this message to define salvation, but this message was to define what we already are not what we can be. If you're sitting here today and you don't know what's going to happen after you die, this is a great message to understand that. You can't put your confidence in anything you can do. Your confidence has to be in Jesus Christ and what he has done. Otherwise, you're still trusting in yourself and that'll never get you there. Great thought, but that's not who he's writing to. Hey, brothers in Christ, you cannot put your confidence in yourself. You have to put confidence in the work of Christ. The word I want to use is trust. The definition for the word confidence is this, to trust or to rely in something, to believe firmly, no matter what. Trust him. Trust him. How do we do that? Paul's going to explain that, but first he's going to give an example. This is pretty cool. I love it when the Bible defines itself, right? So here's the example of Paul. Look at the text together. Go with me to chapter number three, and we're going to look specifically at verse number four. Chapter number three, Philippians three, and verse number four. Look at this with me if you would. The Bible says this, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Paul says, I get it. I get it. If anybody could brag on themselves or trust themselves to get to heaven, I, I mean, I would be the one that could do that. Notice what he said. He says, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Why? Notice this. I was circumcised the eighth day. Boom. Got her done. Eight days in, right on the mark. Mom and dad took care of it. My family heritage history, my connection with the Jewish people, I got that one done. Check, check. Got it? You, you, you feeling it? This is what he's saying. Um, of the tribe of Benjamin. Not only am I an Israelite, but I am from the family that is the second born to my grandfather's favorite wife. That's, that's what he's saying. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Joseph, my older brother, and then Benjamin, and I'm from that tribe. I mean, this is pretty awesome. You, can't, you really can't get much better than that. Notice what he says next. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm not just a Hebrew. I don't know why he's like, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, I'm it. I'm the Baptist of all Baptists. I don't care what you want to put. I'm the Methodist of all Methodists. Right? Again, confidence is in what? Okay, notice next. I was of the stock of Israel, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law. Hey, you want to talk about the law? I was a Pharisee. Not only was I from the best of the families, not only was I circumcised the eighth day, but when it came to the law, I didn't just follow it, I led it. That's what he's saying. Really, there's nobody that deserves heaven more than me. Check me out. Look at and, and that's what he's saying. A lot of us that have attended church for a while, we know this passage, but for the, for, for, the, for the need to help others understand that, this is what he's saying. And then he says this, I'm it when it comes to zeal. You couldn't be any more zealous than me. 
When it comes to zeal, I even persecuted Christians. There wasn't anybody more passionate than me about who I was. And I'm telling you this right now, Paul is just setting up an example that he wants us to understand in this passage. It it doesn't matter who you are, your age, your culture, your skills, your talents, your family, your religion, all of that is self-dependence. And we can't put any confidence in those things. You can't be religious enough. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be talented enough. You cannot have the best family. There's not enough to save you. No confidence in the flesh. And if anybody could have more, it would be me, Paul said. But notice what he says next. The Bible is so beautiful, and I don't want you to miss this. This is where he says and defines what confidence is. This is where he says, now watch how I trust. I'm going to be the example. So look at the text with me. Number one, trust is recognizing what is worthy of our confidence. I got to know what is worthy of my confidence. When I walked through that border uh, Tuesday and Thursday, I knew, I understood what was worthy of my confidence. It was this document that I held in my hand that said I had a right to be on the other side, and it had nothing to do with any other uh, thing that I could offer than the fact that I was born here. That, that's, that's simply it. I couldn't add anything to that. And I understood that. There's got to be a recognition, and that's what Paul says in verse number three, for we are the circumcision. We are those who God has cut through the work of the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, which worship God in spirit and rejoice and boast in Christ. Have you come to that point, please ask yourself this, where you recognize that only he is worthy of our worship. He is the only one worthy of our confidence. You say, Pastor, how do I know that? How do I know that? We're living in such a culture where there's so much weight on us to do enough. Agreed? I don't measure up. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not popular enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not talented enough. And it, it, it happens all around us. You don't have to be enough. God is enough. That's where our confidence is. And, and Paul's trying to get them to understand that. Number two, I want you to see this. The Bible says in verse number seven, trust is choosing what is worthy of our confidence. So would you look at something with me and tell me if there's a word that keeps popping up. I want you to see the context of the text. Ready? Let's read this passage together. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, Dallas, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Look at verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. There's a word in these passages that keep popping up, one after another, same word, over and over again. It's the word counted or count. Now, when you and I think about counting, here's what we think about, ready? One, two, Three, right, not here. Okay, that, that, that's our idea of counting. One, two, three, four, five. Now, that's not the biblical word for counting. 
The biblical definition for this word counting is simply this. To lead, this is, it, it's just so different. The word counted means to lead or to rule, to command as one who has the place of authority. Let me explain it this way. Um, I do a little exterminating during the week for Mark and Chris Hall. Enterprise pest control, a little bit of that, uh, three uh, days, three weeks. All right. And so um, not too long ago, I was out at Palm Creek doing a spray job, and I saw Mark's truck parked at another house. He was doing a job on the inside, and when he got done, he came down to where I was, and I was spraying around the house. And I'm walking around the house, and I'm spraying, and he walks up, and he, and he didn't say, thank you for doing a good job. He didn't say, I'm so grateful that you're working for me. He didn't say, I appreciate you. He walked up and said this, your spray needs to be three feet, not two and a half or two feet. So basically what he was saying is the spray needs to be three foot away from the bottom of the house, not one and a half to two feet. I said, yes, sir. You want to know why? Because he has the authority to say what is counted, to say what has to be done. He has the authority to choose That's what the word counting means. I count it. I choose it. I've been given the authority to make this decision. That's literally what the context. So watch what he's saying here again in the text with that in mind. But what things were gained to me, I, having given the authority, counted it, chose it to set it aside, lost for Christ to gain him. That is what he's saying in the text. Look. Look at the next phrase. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I have been given, Paul said, the choice to set, the authority to to choose and to bring in. I count this as important and I get to count that as not important. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus and his wonderful sovereignty, when he gave his life for us upon the cross, in his perfect design gave you and I a free will. This is the word counted to choose whether I would accept that or deny that or accept this and deny that. Paul says it's because of Jesus Christ and him cutting away that now I get to have the ability to choose whether I'm going to let these things be my confidence or if I'm going to let this be my confidence. I counted all things but loss. I made a choice. I set all these things aside. I would have never been able to do that lest the Holy Spirit have revealed to me the truth of the word of God. But now that he has, I set this aside and I choose him to build my life upon that. Church, listen to me. Don't be like those who are out for their own bellies, who put confidence and are prideful in themselves, but rather put your confidence that you are nothing without Jesus. So take everything that would seem important to you and um, would, would give you false confidence and push it aside and put your confidence in Jesus Christ. That is what he is saying in the text. Notice again, but I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ Christ. 
This just happened recently in my house. And it's probably a bad idea when you let kids do this. So my wife told Rustin, go through your closet and your drawers, and I want you to choose the clothes that are too small for you that you don't want and put them in a bag. And then you choose what clothes you want to keep. And you fold them up and put them back in your drawer. I come out to the garage and I find three trash bags full of clothes. I'm like, what in the world? And so I'm like, Rustin, come here. He comes down. I'm like, Rustin, what's in these bags? He said, these are my clothes. I'm like, I get that, but why are they here? See, I didn't know what transaction had gone down. He said, Mom told me to go through my clothes and choose the clothes that I don't want to wear <laughs> and the clothes that I want to wear. I'm just like, I, I, I'm assuming that's not what your mother said. And he said, oh, he really did. This is really happening in the garage. He's like, oh, yeah. So she told me to, to pick out the clothes that were too small for me. Right. So if I empty this bag, all of these clothes are too small for you. He's like, I don't know. Some of them may be too big for me, and I just can't wear them right now. And I'm like, that's right. I'm literally saying this. That's right. That means you keep those for later. Do you see what's happening? He is counting. Watch. That one is not what I want. That one is what I want. That one's not what I want. That one is what I want. I don't want that one. I'll keep that one. So he's been given that authority to do that, okay? He didn't follow it exactly to a T. I get over to Goodwill with now the right bags. I forgot to go through the shoe bag. I opened up the shoe bag, and inside this bag are like almost brand spanking new Vans. They're not his size, but I'm thinking there are, there's a little Aspen coming along in seven years, and I'll save them for her, Right? Right? You see what I'm thinking? I'm like, what is he doing? Okay, but do you understand the illustration? Please don't miss this. God, he's already done all the work. He's already shown to you what eternal life is through the work of his son upon the cross. He has told you, do not put any confidence in you, your flesh, anything that you would do to earn favor. You don't have to. He's already cut away the sin, and through his work on the cross, the blood has given you eternal life. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he deserves your passion. That brings us to our next point. Look what he says next. Verse number 10. The Bible says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Listen to this. This is, this is super cool. This is what confidence is. This is what trust is all about. Number one, trust is recognizing what is worthy of it. What's worthy of your confidence? Once you know that, trust is choosing it. Does that make sense? Christ is now the one worthy, and I'm going to now choose him. And once that choice is made, then pursuit begins. And this is what he says next. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. The Bible says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
being made conformable unto his death. That is now gonna be my goal, my passion. Now that I recognize I can't trust in me that he's the one worthy of, I've gotta pursue him. And this is what the text is saying, that I may know him. We're gonna spend more time on that next week. But the goal for us is to know Christ intimately, passionately, now that I've put all my confidence in that one, all my eggs in that one basket, I want to know it. I want to know how it works. We just bought a car a year and a half ago. And once I made the choice where I was going to put my money, I wanted to know everything about it. I wanted to know everything it did, everything that it offered, everything that came with it. The choice was made. The dotted line was signed. The bank account was attached. It's done. Okay, now I want to know. I want to know everything about it. Church, your God deserves your pursuit if he's the one that's got your confidence. And here's what it says, that I may know him, watch, and the power of his resurrection. Why would I not want to put my confidence in the one who could rise himself from the grave? Anybody ever tried that before? You would be able to tell me how it worked out if you did. But none of us can do that. We can't rise ourselves from the grave. He's the only one that did and can. And therefore, I need to pursue to understand him and his power that is available to me. And the Bible says the fellowship of his suffering. We talked about this word last week. What does the word fellowship mean again? What is the word fellowship? It doesn't mean getting together to eat. Remember, it means what? Somebody, what does the word fellowship mean from last week? Anybody? When I have fellowship with someone, I have loud. Come on. Y'all need to go home and restudy these messages. They're on Facebook. Go back and listen to them. Get them down because you don't want to miss this. You've got to be able to answer this. And I'm not getting on you, but you need to know this. And some of you are like, I know it, but I don't want to say it because I might be wrong. And if I'm wrong, <gasps> okay, all right, I'll tell you. I'm going to ask again next week, and everybody better say it. Thank you, friendship, partnership, camaraderie. That's what we have. Watch, with who? The fellowship, the partnership of his sufferings. He's with us. If he went through it, he'll also be with us if we go through it. That's what we get when we know him. And watch what he says last being conformed, the conformity that we have in him, conformable unto his death, his dying. When our kids used to travel with us on the road, they would, uh, they would get gifts from different churches. People would, would bless them, and they would always get crayons and coloring books. Everywhere we'd go, we had, guys, I can't tell you how many boxes of crayons we had. I mean, literally, no stretch, tub of crayons, because everybody gave crayons and coloring books. And for some reason, everybody loved giving little gift packs of Play-Doh. Don't do that. Do not give kids Play-Doh. I think Play-Doh is something that only parents should decide if their kids should have, right? Because, and don't you go home and buy a bunch of Play-Doh and give it to my, well, that doesn't matter anymore. My kids are smart enough to throw it in the trash, but... Um, Play-Doh would get in the carpet of our travel trailer. It was horrible to get out. The dye and the crust, it was, it was terrible. But you know the purpose of Play-Doh is what? To conform into mold. Watch this. When I understand that my confidence is in him and I pursue that, I become one who conforms to be like him. Not just like him, 
to the dying, to the death, conformable into his death. Hey, church, listen, our confidence must be Christ alone. There is, we, none of us are righteous, no, not one. We're sinners, we're broken, and we're in need of God's help, and our confidence cannot be in us any longer. It must be in Christ, and this is what Paul is writing to the church. Finally, I'm where I wanted to be. Listen, beware of people who put their confidence in what they can do. Don't do that. Put your confidence in Christ alone. He's already carried it to the cross for you. He's already paid the price. So live your life every day in the confidence of Christ. And here's how he illustrates it. He's going to illustrate it. I don't have to give you an illustration. Look what he says in the last passage. Open your Bibles, please, again to chapter number 3 and verse number 12. Here's what the Bible says. Not as though I'd already attained... I haven't arrived. Either we're already perfect or mature, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He closes this. He's not done, by the way. The thought's nowhere near being closed. This whole chapter is one thought, and we'll deal with the rest next week. But here's what he's illustrating. My confidence is in Christ, so I am striving for that. And he uses the illustration of a runner. You know this. He says, I reach, I'm stretching. It's kind of like the guy in a race, and they're almost there. You ever, you ever seen them? My favorite one is Lightning McQueen. Right at the end, you know, that, that, that race where he sticks out his tongue, Right? To try to reach the, to the, the line. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to know. Best Disney movie of all time. I love it. But he's stretching. It, it's the idea of, I gotta, I gotta have it. I want it. I'm pursuing. I'm just, it, it's, it's, my confidence is completely in that. Where's your confidence today, church? If there's any dependence in yourself, you're gonna fail. Don't do that. Beware of that. That's dangerous. That's false. It's fake. It's a facade. It'll all wither away. Put your faith in Christ. Your confidence is in Jesus, not religion. So that, okay, I'm going to say it again. That is the difference between Christianity and all, all other faiths. Test me on that. Test me on that. I'll have a conversation with you. Test me. This is the only one that puts all of its eggs in the basket of Jesus Every other religion puts its eggs in the basket of a God and self-dependence. we got to do something to merit it. And Paul's saying, don't do it. It's all about Christ. Your life is putting confidence in him. So no matter what, may your confidence be in Jesus. May your confidence be in the gospel. May your confidence be in Christ confidence. Father, I pray that you'd help us. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about him and as you study his word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. 
Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you.